0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. We've been talking about our destination. Last week we said that a vision energizes and focuses us and enables us to become everything Jesus has for us. If we don't have a vision, we end up being aimless. We just go wherever and other people push us into their agenda and the devil moves us along and we end up not reaching where God wanted us to be. But when we have a vision, when our eye is clear and focused on what God has for us, not what we have for us, but what God has for us, then all the resources of heaven, other people who are like-minded come along with us and we achieve something great together. And we're continuing with that sermon series today and next week. And perhaps the week after and it's so exciting and a, a picture that God gave me this week actually which is I'd, I'd seen it before but I'd never really seen it in this way in the book of Revelation John is given a message for seven churches in an area it's not a very big area a small geographical area but there were seven lampstands and he gets to see in in the earth, he could see the seven cities and the seven churches, but he got to see behind the veil in heaven, and he saw Jesus standing among seven lampstands. And each of those churches, so on earth it would have been a church called the church of whatever, Laodicea, and it had a certain reputation, it had a certain character about it. People who went to that church said, oh, they're the friendly church, or they're the loud church or whatever it was it had a certain earthly characteristics it had earthly leaders and an earthly preacher and and all the earthly things but he got to see what Jesus thinks of the church and it was Jesus standing in heaven the picture is Jesus shining like with all the strength of the sun and there's a sword coming out of his mouth he's speaking with the sound of many waters and In this vision of Jesus, even though it's the glorified Son of Man, there's seven lampstands. He's standing in the midst of seven lampstands. And you know, when something's shining as bright as the sun, like Jesus was, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you look at something very bright, it's hard to see the things around it because that bright light consumes your your vision. But in this, the seven lampstands, even though Jesus was in the middle, shining like the sun, the seven lampstands were visible because churches, individual lampstands, the Bible calls churches lampstands, they are precious. You know, there's a, a teaching and an idea going around nowadays, maybe it's always been there, but I'm very aware of it nowadays, that the local church is almost irrelevant. It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a thing, well, we go to it, but actually God's doing stuff with me, or he's doing stuff with this other thing that's not the church, or let's get this other idea going. But actually, Jesus says the church is what it's all about, and it's a lampstand. He sees it as precious, it's shining, it's it's bright, it's wonderful and glorious. And God said to me, this church lighthouse, Greg, did you start it, or did some people come up with the idea, or did I plant a lampstand in Jersey? And it humbled me, because I... I I had got into the trap of thinking of church as a human organization oh it's just people it's just ideas it's just well we like this we don't like this Jesus said to me I have planted a lampstand and I was humbled I fell to my knees I said Lord is your lampstand what are you doing with our lampstand and the Lord reminded me and he asked me to remind you that this church is not a human invention Jesus decided he wanted a lampstand a lighthouse in this place, in this time, in this island, for this generation to achieve a certain purpose. And we would do well, we would be wise to say, Lord Jesus, you're the one who planted the lampstand. What do you want for us? Amen. Not what do I want, or what does the majority of the people want, or what does Auntie Susie want, or a visitor want, or what does Jesus want for his church? And so we're looking today at, again, our destination. The idea of our destination is answering the question, where? Where are we going to be? And we've set a five-year time limit. It doesn't have to be five years. It can be two years, one year, ten years, whatever. But the, the idea is, where do we see ourselves? If we could get in a time machine and go forward five years, what would this church, this lighthouse, this lampstand that God has designed, what would it look like? You say, but who are you as a human to know what God wants? You see the amazing thing is that God always works with people. And He gives His vision to many of us, but then there's always a leader. In in the picture of Revelation there were also seven stars. In Jesus hand not just seven lampstands but seven stars and they were the angels or the messengers of the churches God says I appoint someone who's going to be the the one who gathers all the ideas and listens to the Lord and then says This is the vision and I am humbly amazed enough to realize it's me God has given me the job of saying this is where the Lord is leading us in five years time or whatever but part of the series is for us to discuss it. And so what I'd like in the life groups and amongst ourselves is over the next few weeks to talk about where does God want us to be? And how does, how does all this theory and, and doctrine apply to our daily lives? What would life groups be like in five years time? What would worship be like? What would preaching? What would kids ministry? What would our venue? What would all the different parts of our church life, what will they look like? In five years time so that's answering the question where we're saying what will we look like in five years time and we're planning to expand on that more next week but what I've realized this week is that to answer the question where where will we be there's another question below it what in other words what will we be doing and then even deeper than the question what is the question how how will we be doing it because all churches believe in preaching the gospel i think pretty much all all churches believe in having fellowship and love and ministry amongst ourselves all churches believe in outreach all churches believe in worship all churches believe in using our gifts these are the things that all churches do the what if you like but how we do them is different you could go to a church just down the road, and they'll be doing the same five things, but in a different way. They're not wrong. We're not wrong. They're not right. We're not right. They're just different expressions of how we do what God has called us to do. And the interesting thing about those seven lampstands in Revelation is that Jesus had a very different message for every single one of those seven lampstands. To the one, he says, you've lost your first love. Repent and get back. To the other one, he says, I see your hardship and well done, I'm with you. He had nothing to say wrong about them. To another one, he says, you guys are listening to that prophetess Jezebel, get rid of her. To another one, he says something else and something else to the other. Every single one of the seven lampstands had a different message from Jesus. God wants different lampstands. We were in a a talk recently where a man said, how many churches are there in Jersey? And we all said, ah, oh, this many, 20, 30, 50. He said, no, there's only one. And I thought about it, and I thought, actually, how many lampstands are there in Jersey? And there are several. How do you define a lampstand? It's a group of believers that Jesus has planted in a place with a certain mission and task and job to do, and a flavor, a way of expressing what God has given them to express. And it's different. Amen. There was at one of the meetings we went to recently, there was a man from a very traditional Anglican church, and he was him and his leaders were there, and they were so humble and vulnerable, they said, We're really battling. Our our attendance is going down, down, down. We we don't know what we're doing, we don't know how to do it, we don't know how to get people in. And the Lord gave me a message for him. I went to him afterwards, I said, brother. If you are obeying what God has told you to do, don't worry about all those external signs. You're doing what God wants you to do. Keep going. And he was so encouraged because he thought he had to copy what other churches were doing. And I said to him, no, God says, just do what God's told you to do. So there's the what? Sorry, there's the where we're going to be. Where are we going to be in five years time? I've got a picture. We're going to expand on it over the next couple of weeks. What about the what? What we do? Well, it's the worship, it's the outreach, it's the teaching, it's the family love, it's the um, all using our gifts. Then there's the how, how we do it. There are some hows that should apply to all churches. Um, And we've got them on this little handout that's on your chair, which you should be able to read. But there are other hows that are different. You know, some churches have a different style, a different way of reaching the community, a different way of doing their things. And that's great because how many of you know one church is never going to express the the multi-diversity of Jesus? It's just not possible. You know, when you turn on your radio... There's radio 1, there's radio 2, there's radio 3, there's radio 103, there's radio 4, there's radio 5. There's so many different types. They're all radio, they're all putting out music and information. But each of us has a different way of relating. And most of us listen to only one station most of the time. It's the same with Christianity. Jesus wants all of his amazing multicolored diversity and and wonderful uh, character to be shown through different types of churches. And we are one of those. We're a lampstand. We're not the only ones, the others we respect, we love. But God has made us a lampstand. What kind of a lampstand are we going to be? So there's the where, there's the what, there's the how. But today I want to talk about the why. And I've got such an excitement in my heart about this message today. The Lord has showed me that if you get the why correct the how and the what and the where will flow pretty naturally out of it. But if you focus on the where and the what and the how without understanding the why, you're going to battle in your Christianity. You're going to be having conflicts and fights and and, uh, different opposition between people because we all differ in our expression of the where and the what and the how. But if we get the why correct and we understand how God has set us up with the why being the main thing that we think about, everything else flows. Let me give you an example. If I said to you, we are going to go outside and we're going to dig in the parking lot for the next hour. That's the what. Then you say to me, what's the where? Where are we going to be? At the end of an hour, we're going to have dug a pit that's two meters deep. So we got the where, we got the what. What about the how? I want you to dig with enthusiasm and teamwork. How many of us realize that after about 15 minutes, we would start to flag? And some people would be complaining. Some people would be saying, man, this church, what's going on here? But if I told you the why, if I said to you, There is a buried Roman treasure hoard of coins under the parking lot. Suddenly, the how is no longer a problem. The what is no longer a problem and the where is no longer a problem because we understand why we're doing it. There are many talks on YouTube now and TED talks and whatever, speaking to business people and saying, don't just focus on the what you do as a business. We make mobile phones. Don't just focus on the how we make mobile phones better. Focus on the why we want to challenge and innovate and make new products that excite people. If you focus on the why, all those other things just become almost irrelevant. And that's why we are happy to buy not just Apple phones, but whatever Apple make, we'll buy. Why? Why? There's other people that make them as well, but we understand the why. They've got a drive underneath that company that says we want to innovate and make things better and new. And so we say, I trust these people. It's the same in business. It's the same in family. How many of you have said to your young child, I want you to put your seatbelt on? And they say, why? And you say, so that we don't have an accident. Why? (laughs) So that we don't all die. Why? And they just go on and on and on until you give them a reason that makes sense to them underneath. And then the child goes, okay. Although often they don't. (laughs) In business life, if you get an employee and you say to them, do this many hours a day, I want you to fill in a timesheet. I will pay you this much. You will do this that's the what, and they say okay. And then you say the how. We try and we try and motivate them and wind them up and excite them. We say we want you to work with enthusiasm, with teamwork, with a smile, with with uh, friendliness to our customers. And they say okay, that's the how. But you won't get motivation until you say to them, we are making a product that makes people's lives better, and they get excited about it. They understand the why. Do we? Ex- why do I go to work every day? Some people go to work to make a paycheck. They're motivated by need or greed. Some people go to work because their boss is a fierce dragon, they're motivated by fear. And it's the same in church. Some people go to church and even preach because they're motivated by need or greed. They say, I've got this huge hole for affirmation and I want people to think I'm wonderful. So let me become a preacher and then people will say how great I am. Some people go by fear. Oh, well, it's peer pressure or society expects it or or I'll go to hell if I don't. But when I understand the real why in a business, in a church, in a family, in whatever it is, The motivation floods up. There's this spring, wellspring of motivation and joy that comes out of us. Does that make sense to you? So let me recap. We're wanting to know where we're going to be in five years' time. That's a destination. And it's not just for us as a church. You as an individual, you as a family, you as a business person, whatever it is, you want to know where you're going to be and you want it to be God's vision, not your own. You want to know what you're going to be doing, you want to know how you're going to be doing it. But all of those are pretty much meaningless if the why is not there or if the why is incorrect. How many of us know that there can be two people who look like they're doing the same things? They're both serving the Lord. They're both preaching. They're both being good. They're giving money to the poor. They're they're being a wonderful Christian, but one of them is doing it out of the correct why. I love Jesus and I'm so grateful to Him. The other one is doing it out of need or greed. In other words, I just want money or I just want self-glory. Or they're doing it out of fear and kind of condemnation. And the Bible says if our why is wrong, it doesn't matter what we do, we can never earn salvation. It's the why that matters. The why is what lasts for eternity. I can do all these things. 1 Corinthians 13 says, I can give my body to the flames and be a martyr. I can give all I have to the poor. I can even prophesy and speak in tongues and do miracles. But if the why isn't love, if it's not coming from the right place of of reason, of why, it says it's meaningless. It's pointless. It will not last. We've got to have the why right. The why also helps us to agree. You know, when two of us come and we say, what should we be doing next week? We should be doing this with our kids' church? No, we should be doing this. We should be doing this in our life groups? No, we should be doing this. We should have this kind of worship? No, we should have that. If we bring it back to first principles and say, but why? Not not just the what or the how, because we all have different ideas for that. But what's the underlying reason? Are we achieving the why that God has given us and that is in God's heart suddenly a whole lot of disputes and disagreements just melt away into nothing and we say okay I understand either I'll compromise or we'll do it a different way but we just we just collapse it into a a unity and lastly on the on this point whenever I've been tired and weary in my Christian life you know Christianity is not all easy The parable of the sower says that sometimes the the word of God falls and it springs up quickly and joyfully. And we, woohoo, I want to be a Christian. I want to serve God. I want to do this. I want to tithe my salary. I want to go on a missions trip. I want to serve, pray, preach, whatever it is. There's immediate joy. But it says when the sun and the hardship and the persecution comes, if there isn't a root that goes deep, that plant will wither and die. Do you remember that story? The root that goes deep is the why. And there have been times when I've been working in ministry. I can remember when we first started this church. We met just across the road at the youth center in a little rented room on a Saturday night. I remember working all week very, very hard. And Friday night at about 7 o'clock, I would get home from work and I was exhausted. And I'm thinking, oh my word, I've got to think of something to say tomorrow night. Oh, and Bronnie's got to do the worship, Matt's got to do the overhead projector, Grant's doing the welcome, and Ashley's looking after the dog. I mean, whatever it was, it was just hard work. And Pat was there as a faithful person, Phil came along and brought his heaters when it was cold, and uh, Mao and Jeff and uh, Jackie, there was very angel in a bit. There were a few of us who, it was hard work those Saturday nights. I remember getting there, the room, we couldn't unlock the room, and then they had something on going on in the next door room, and it was just difficult, and Sometimes it was dirty, and we were exhausted. And I remember thinking, man, if this is the what that I'm supposed to be doing, why is it not succeeding? Why after a year are there still only 15 of us? Do people not see the great glory of this lampstand that Jesus wants to plant in Jersey? What's going on? And I want to tell you, the only well of energy and resource and motivation that I found was the why. Why? If you're looking at the what and the how and the where, you will get tired, you'll get discouraged, and you will give up. But when you understand the why, the the outward results actually don't matter because I'm doing it for the right reason. So what is the why? Are you ready? What is the why? Any idea what the why is? going to i'm going to break it down into i think it's three points number one people matter to god people matter to god have you got this picture on this page that was handed out to you there's a little lighthouse and it's in a stormy sea and it's shining out some light so the the yellow beams of the shining light are the what we're supposed to be doing The the brown of the lighthouse itself are the how we're supposed to be doing it, how we are. And then the the stormy seas underneath are the why. And I want to say that God was happy in His own lighthouse. Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit were completely happy in their own lighthouse, completely surrounded by light and joy and peace, fellowship, smiles on their faces, happiness, happiness. No discomfort whatsoever, but people were in the sea, and Jesus became a human being, a baby, subject to all the dirt and the cold and the grime and the danger of planet Earth. He became one of us. He suffered and he lived a whole life as a human because you and I matter to God. People matter. God could have stayed in heaven. He was completely justified in saying, you people messed it up. You live with your mess. You've made a, a mistake. You've sinned and turned away from me. Now live with the consequences. But pe- you and I, I matter to God so much that he came and rescued me. He got out of his lighthouse and his comfort and his warmth. Jesus came down to earth and died on a dirty wooden cross to save me people matter to god that is the first part of the why number two eternity is a very long time that's the second part of the why you know this here and now that we see I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Even if you make your tent as nice as nice can be, it's still a tent. It's temporary. There is a much longer forever to come. And that's what matters. Eternity is a very long time. And then the third part of the why is that God rescued not just humanity. God rescued me. God rescued me. I know where I would be today if God hadn't saved me. I would probably be a street person addicted to some kind of substance. My life would be a ruin. If I wasn't already dead, I would be fast on the way to death. And then I would spend an eternity separated from all that is good and light and joy and peace. I, would, I was on the road to hell and God rescued me. He saved me when I did not deserve it. He got into the sea, and He did life-saving techniques, and He brought me, and He's put me in this lighthouse with Him and the Father and the Holy Spirit, and I do not deserve it. And because of that, because of that, why? People matter. Eternity is long. God rescued me. That is the why. It overflows within me. The how comes out of that. The what comes out of that. The where comes out of it. I understand I would be in the soup. I would be in the drink. I would be drowning with no hope of salvation if Jesus hadn't got out of his comfort and come and saved me. And I am overflowing with joy, with enthusiasm, with gratitude, with humility. And I want to help save others because that's why Jesus came. that's the only why. That's the only why that matters. You know, there are many people who attend church or are involved in some kind of good work or religion or religious activity in the world, but they have a different why. There are many. I've said it already, but there are many who either go into Christian work or go to church to have their own needs met. And I can understand that because when I first get out of the sea, when I crawl out of the sea from the stormy rocks and sea where I was drowning and I get into the warm lighthouse, the first thing that I notice is my needs are getting met. I'm saved, I'm warm, I'm dried up, I'm given food and drink and a friendly family around me. Hallelujah, my needs are met. But I've got to move beyond that. I understand that that is part of it but that is not the whole picture if I think that the why is about getting my own needs met there will come a time where somebody disagrees or somebody asks me to sacrifice to give a bit of something a bit of money a bit of time a bit of my my abilities or go the extra mile or listen to somebody or you know serve somebody and I'm gonna say hey that that doesn't meet my needs if my why is me the house will crumble. I will. I will leave the church in, in a in a bad mood. If my why is me. The other reason that some people have for ministry and church and attending church, is is kind of pressure, fear. It's like, well, I'm. I'm I'm going to go to hell, or people are going to judge me or look down on me, or somebody's telling me what to do. A parent is saying, "You must go to church." or you know it's fear. It's like, "Oh, what happens if I don't?" If that is your motive, you will give up quite quickly as well. Because just like digging a pit in the outdoor parking lot, if, if fear, if somebody's standing over you with a whip, eventually your body and your strength run out and you say, "I, I can't do this anymore." It might take you 20, 30, 40 years, but eventually you'll give up on Christianity or you'll get to the end of your life and you'll realize it was a loving Jesus with loving arms and you'll say, I don't know this Jesus. I thought he was a harsh person with a whip. If fear is your why, your your lighthouse will crumble. There are many reasons people do ministry and good things, but the only one that is valid is grace. It's a response to grace. People matter. I matter to God. Eternity is long. And Jesus rescued me. Amen. And when I get that right, and when we get that right, you know what happens? We get a unity. Suddenly there's a unity. I come to worship and I just am overflowing with gratitude. I'm not caring about How does Sister Susie look next to me? How did Brother So-and-so greet me today? What are the church leaders doing with the money? What about the worship team? Why are they choosing that song? All of that goes away because I'm overflowing with gratitude. I understand the why. I'm passionate. I'm sacrificial. If Jesus gave everything for me and I would be drowning if it wasn't for Him, nothing I can give is too much. I'll give everything for Him. I understand the why. His heart becomes my heart. His passion for the lost becomes my passion for the lost. I'm overflowing with his love and his heart is beating in my chest. And suddenly the how, which we've written on this page, humble. Can you see why you'd be humble if you'd been saved from the sea? If you have been saved from the sea, you say, "Whoa, I don't deserve this. If you think it's about um, selfishness or fear, then you start to not be humble. You think, I'm a better Christian than him. I'm a better Christian than her, but if you're just grateful for being rescued, if the why is correct, you're a humble Christian. There's no pride here. There's no one better than anyone else. Passionate. Man, there's passion that flows out of me. Enthusiastic. Sacrificial. I'm willing to give because Jesus gave the ultimate. Outward looking. It's not about me, it's about those others who are still in the sea. And joyful that how just comes out of us and then the what the outreach the worship teaching family love using our gifts all of that just flows out of it it becomes a natural response so my question to us to you my friend is where are you on this picture where are you on this picture are you in the sea are you still in the sea are you paddling desperately exerting all your strength just to stay afloat and church seems to be a place where maybe others will help me stay afloat i want to say to you today you can find salvation peace you don't have to struggle anymore i rest in jesus why because it's all what he did for me i could never earn it he saved me i was unconscious lying in the water and he came and he dragged me into the lighthouse and he cleaned me up it's all about him it's peace and security Maybe you're in the lighthouse and you you got saved. You can remember that day when Jesus saved you, but you've slipped away from understanding the why and you've started looking at the how and the what and you're starting having conflicts with other people. She doesn't do it the same way I want to. I'm looking for more power, glory, fame, position. They they do the, the what that they do. They do worship and I do outreach. We conflict. Maybe you're having those... Feelings and those sorts in your life. Get back to the why. Maybe you're weary as a Christian. Maybe you're like the older brother and the prodigal son. You remember the prodigal son gets back to the father's house. The father runs and welcomes him with open arms. Throws a big party and the older brother comes in and he's got a miserable face. And he says, Father, I've been slaving and laboring for you all these years and you never gave me anything. And now this boy just comes in from sinning and you just throw a big party for him. We need to get back to the why. We need to say, I was in the sea. Anyone who comes in out of the sea is welcome because I was the same as them. And then what has come out of this, on this piece of paper, the where statement at the top of the page is, we are becoming, in other words, that's where we're going, a passionate group of Jesus followers who are enthusiastic, creative, and sacrificial in our commitment to our God, each other, And the lost people that Jesus died for. That's the where. We talked about the how and the what. The where we're ending up comes out of the why as well. We are a passionate group of Jesus followers. We're enthusiastic, creative, sacrificial in our commitment to God, to each other, and to the lost people that Jesus died for. And then our our statement, our one-line statement is for God, for each other, and for the world. If you just read that statement on its own, it may not make sense to you. But when you see the why, and then you see the how, and then you see the what, then that final statement makes sense to you. For God, for each other, for the world. I think you'll notice that for me is not one of those three statements. It's not about me. Amen? You see, the world says it's all about you. Find the best supermarket. Find the best doctor. Find the best entertainment, find the best home, find the best spouse, meet your own needs. And Jesus says, if you understand the why, it's not about you. It's about God. He saved us. It's about each other, other people in our church, and it's about the lost out there. When we get that right, friends, we are on track. That lampstand that Jesus has planted, we now know exactly why we're here and where we're going. There are some things, what I've spoken today is generic for all churches, but there are some things that are specific to this lampstand and this lighthouse, this time and place. And we're going to be talking about those in the weeks to come. But I encourage you to get these conversations going and for your own life, for your own family, for your own career, think about how does this apply? Have I got the why right? Why am I going to work every day? Why do I work as a doctor, as an accountant, as a teacher? Why do I do it? Is it need or greed? In other words, am I just trying to earn a crust? Is it selfish ambition where I'm trying to just please my own need for affirmation? Is it fear because people have put pressure on me or my boss is trying to beat me with a, a, an imaginary stick? Or is there a why that says I'm doing this to serve Jesus? I'm trying to reach Jesus at my workplace. I'm trying to earn money to plow it into the kingdom for the kingdom of God. Suddenly I wake up in the morning and I'm not just a teacher. I'm a missionary Christian going to be a teacher. And that place is where Jesus is going to shine through me. Let's pray together. Would you stand? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you give us the ultimate why. Lord, I want to confess for my own life that there is no other why that makes any sense or has any value in my life or for my life. There is nothing that compares To what you've done for me and how I can then use these gifts to do this for others. Jesus, nothing compares to this why. Please forgive me, Lord, for losing my focus and looking at the what's or how's or where's without realizing the why. Please forgive me for, for getting off track from time to time. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would burn into my heart and soul today, forever, the why I exist. The why I exist, please, Lord Jesus, burn it into my heart. Nothing else matters as much as this. Help us as a church, Lord, to keep the why as the main focus in front of our eyes. It's not about us, Lord. It's not about me. Jesus, it's about what you've done and what you think about people around us and and eternity and, and what you've done for us, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus. I'm just going to ask you and encourage you right now to do business with God. If you need to repent, if you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry that I lost focus on what is really important, just say that to him. You know, we need to chuck out the wrong thinking in order to let the right thinking take root in our hearts. So just allow him now. Just say, sorry, Lord, where I've maybe had the wrong motives for what I've been doing, where I've had a wrong attitude, where I've Got off track where I focused more on the wrong things than on the right things. Lord Jesus, help me, forgive me, and set me straight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or LighthouseJersey.com